This is the Joy of Geek. Welcome to the Joy of Geek podcast, episode 54. I'm Rich Lepore, and I'm here with... Kevin Schaefer. And today we are, what, a week and a half out? From Star Wars The Last Jedi at I the time of recording. I, I mean, is there anything more important to lead off with and start Not really. talking about no. than the fact that that movie is literally, what, 10 days away? Yeah. Mm-hmm. From time of recording, of yeah, course. So sure. And maybe even sooner when you hear this. Oh, yeah. So definitely. you can celebrate with even more uh, gusto. Right. Um, that is not, however, the number one focus of our uh, discussion tonight, although we will talk about our excitement for it. Um, we are mainly going to be talking about uh, some comic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's an interesting series that came out called The Doomsday Clock. There um, is a direct Watchmen sequel that uh, hit stores the same week as Thanksgiving. So only one issue out at the time of recording this. Um, I've read it and reviewed it. Uh, but and we'll, we'll be, be offering your thoughts on yes, it here. Sure. Um, you also finished up The Punisher. Yes, finished um, Punisher. Netflix series. I finished Punisher. I watched the Arrowverse crossover Crisis on Earth X. Awesome. Um, reading a ton of comics. So we'll be um, hearing about all of that good stuff. All, all that. We um, do news. I um, uh, I finished um, Alias Grace, which I was talking about a little bit okay, before, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I would like mm-hmm. to give my thoughts on that. Sure. Um, I also saw um, this weird movie called The Dinner, which I'll be talking about a bit. Okay. And then a real highlight, <coughs> excuse me, mm, is called uh, Wind River. Um, oh, it is yeah, this I think am- I saw you tweet that. Yeah, 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 it is this amazing movie that I can't wait to tell everybody cool. about. If you haven't seen it or if it's not on your radar, you got to hear about it. Um, also, um, as you said, we're going to be doing news. Yes. And then uh, our main event, kind of? Yeah, um, pretty much right. Um, we're doing sort of a book club um, discussion. If you've listened to some of our other episodes where we do straight-up graphic novel discussions, um, we'll yes, be doing we'll sort that. sort of be that. Sort of, yes. We're going to be talking about the first volume of Exo Manowar, from the 2012 Robert Venditti run, the beginning of the run. It lasted several years. Um, um, I've read the entire run, so I'll also talk about some of my thoughts on that. Spoiler free. Of course. Um, of but course. we will we'll be talking in depth the fir- on volume on the first one. Volume one which, which is only which, four issues. And by the way, yeah. one of the best volume ones of any comic I've ever read. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it is doubt. just so expansive and deep at the same time it it's got breath and width it and, is and brevity so and we'll be talking just kind of our general experiences <laughs> with valiant um mm-hmm. along with that i know we talk about valiant a lot on the show um rightfully so valiant needs more play yeah they really do um i mean anybody who wants to spend time talking about valiant is a good idea sure i have yet to meet a person who is introduced to valiant and does not fall in love with right, it. right 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 something about it, it it both feels epic and large but at the same time, like, you're reading some indie comic no one knows about. Exactly. It has like, this just great feeling. It's like you're into a band before everybody else is. Um, and no matter how big they get, somehow I feel like it might still feel that way. Sure. It's just sure. a weird vibe, a weird, cool, weird sure. vibe that it has. Um, so anyway. Yeah, all kinds of stuff today. Um, it's a potpourri you know, of good yeah. geek culture, chat, and conversation. Sure. Um, so without further ado, are you going to get into news? Absolutely. Okay. Let's do news. All right. Epic. Um, so our first story today, the uh, first image of Robin in the live action Titan series just came out this week. Um, and so I forget the actor's name, Brendan something. I can't pronounce his last name, so okay. I'm going to try. Um, but, um, as we've talked about on the show before, this will be on the DC streaming service. Um, as, which, yes, as I mentioned before, that bums me out. Yeah, it does. But 
I don't know. I be, because I'm excited about this show and also Young Justice coming back. I probably will subscribe to it because I got to check this out and see if it's good. What um, form is Young Justice in? Animation. Okay. But it, it it was originally a Cartoon Network show, and then Netflix brought it back. Had both seasons on it for a while. And when they announced that season three was coming back, everyone was like, oh, cool, we'll bring it to Netflix. No, we're, oh, we're DC's like, oh, we're actually going to build our own streaming service. And so Everybody's um, the new doing season it. and the other two will be on that. Um, pretty, we'll soon, Titans. pretty soon there's going to be Disney's streaming app. Yeah. There's going to be DC's streaming app. CBS has a streaming yep. app. So if you want to watch CBS right. uh, with all the other networks, you can't. Right, I mean, right. pretty soon it's going to be that, you know, to, to have a package, a cable package, Is you're going to have to have, yeah. right, yeah. you're going to have to have every single provider's right. thing. It's weird. Yeah. Very weird. Because you work for a cable company, I so do. It's, it's I do. It yeah. is interesting. It's 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 not something that I ever thought I would do, but I do sure. currently work for a cable company, and um, it, it's it's interesting. As as you can imagine, um, a lot of people that I speak with are um, cord cutters mm-hmm. and are going the streaming route. Um, I still have you know a way to push back on that and and explain what what cable does offer because it sure. does offer a lot uh, sure. still, but. Honestly, I watch ninety nine percent streaming. Right, right, straight up. Right, I mean, right. you know, what do you want me to say? Yeah. Um. Anyway. Cool. So, um, Titan. So you're excited I, for it? I am. You know, I any mean, other casting news? What do we know? Well, they have the whole cast out. Okay. It's a lot of no names. Um. Really, the only actor I recognize is they're having Hawk and Dove and um. What's her name? Minka Kelly. Who do you remember? The I do show, know her. Almost Human. Yeah, she's. Um. I like her. She's, yeah, she's. She's great. also. Um, I remember her from from other like like early '90s stuff. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. She's been yeah. she's been down in it for a while, right? So um, she's gonna be Dove, so that'll be cool. Okay, okay. This is the only costume they've shown so far, but I expect more to come. How in does the it look? Weeks. I love it. I think it's very. I mean, um, if you pull it up on or here, let me see if I can. Well, you I'll pull it up, it up while okay, you talk. Cool. Okay, so I it has a very modern kind of Tim Drake feel to it. Um, he's got the staff. He's got uh, the red suit and everything, but. Um, I mean, I, I think it's great. It sets it up. I'm glad that they're starting him out as Robin, um, but it certainly has the potential to evolve him into Nightwing eventually. Uh, uh, so when and, I searched for it, the, the images that came up uh-huh. are Halloween costumes of little kids dressed as Robin. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. This is Wait not a it. minute. Yeah, yeah. You did say live action. Yeah. Um, but um, it, if you type in like... I see it. I see it. So it's just the, just the top of him is just always Just the top, it? yeah. We don't see a full bodysuit, but it's enough to get... I mean... It's he definitely looks solid. That, yeah, he does look solid, and it, it looks uh, it looks pretty clearly from this image that it is going to very much be like a CW type show. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. beautiful yeah. actors sure. and actresses, and sure. um, you know, hookups on and off screen. And well, that, like I said, I'm glad that they picked a bunch of no names for it. Like this guy, he's been in like the most recent Pirates movie, which okay. no one saw. Okay, and then yeah, it was um, terrible. I hear right, and like a few others. Um, but then like the actress for Raven is like 13. Um, there was the Starfire actress. She's been on, I want to say like a Law and Order or something akin to that. You know, like one of those shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, so no one of like high caliber, which I like. I much prefer. You know, well, especially with it, especially with Titans, because yes. the idea here is these are Teenagers. you know young yeah. teenagers who who are thrust together in extreme extreme circumstances, exactly. and they're supposed to kind of not know each other. So mm-hmm. when you know them and have predisposed feelings about yeah. them that's sure it, it it changes the the way that it plays um it doesn't have that outsiders coming together vibe as much yes so i think it definitely works uh you know in a meta way uh with the material yeah um 
I think it is important to mention we don't talk or give our thoughts on these things on the show generally, but just as a factoid, um, what about Kreisberg? Man. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's literally, what, the showrunner of Arrow? Well, he co-created all four shows, and he's the showrunner of Supergirl and The Flash. And a comic art, uh, uh, writer. writer. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, R.I.P. Uh, Kreisberg. He's out. Yeah. Uh, for, yeah. he's, he's part of this uh, the scandal of people coming forward about um, sexual assault allegations. And, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but that's going to be a big shakeup. Yeah, um, just, I mean, um, in, well, in I, the world. I'll, I'll talk about the Arrowverse crossover soon. But, yeah, I mean, he was the one of the main writers on that on all four episodes yeah. it's very hard um a lot of us are being faced with the very difficult prospect of trying to separate art from horrendous yeah. personal behavior yeah um, it's challenging for everybody i mean of course the victims are the are the um the most right, important yeah. thing to consider right um but but just because we're a geek culture podcast and we're talking about the work yeah um it it's, is difficult it's, it's it difficult is. it's important to mention yeah um, Anyway, moving on. But um, but yeah, so I mean, I'm excited for the Titan series. I mean, hope it's you know come down more to the writing and can it capture the essence of especially the Marvel Wolfman George Perez run, which is what it's based on. That's the most iconic um, Titan series out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm pretty stoked for it. For a lot of people, Titans is how they got into comics. Yeah, a mm-hmm. lot of people. Oh gosh, are that I way. grew up on the Teen Titans cartoon. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, what do we got next? Um, the Avengers Infinity War trailer. All right. So you just saw, I want to hear your thoughts because you just watched okay, it. Okay, so I just watched this trailer before uh, filming slash recording here. And um, so I have a, my biggest problem with superhero movies in general circa 2017, mm-hmm, 2018 sure. is overload. Sure, sure. Um, I think yeah. it's a problem a lot of people are facing sure. um, where I've seen it. I've seen all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I saw the very first Avengers movie, uh, I was really into it, and then I would kind of tune out when, like, the Hulk and, and, and whoever. Who was Hulk fighting in the middle of the city? You mean in Avengers 2? Avengers, oh, I guess so. When, um... Isn't Hulk in Avengers 1? Yeah, but, like... Isn't uh, there an in, in the middle of the city battle in that? No? Well, yeah, the, the one they're fighting um, the aliens. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. So Hulk smashing up the entire city and yeah, has yeah, collateral yeah. damage while he's fighting the aliens. We'll right, call right. it that. Again, that's just kind of my point. It sure, all blends sure. together for me. Sure. So, um, while I love the Marvel movies, I'm starting to lean far more towards the, the one-offs. Uh, yeah. I like Thor Ragnarok. I like Doctor Strange. Um, and, you know, for me, I was a little cold on Civil War. Um, and thing and things like that. Not that that's a bad movie by any stretch. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just a little been there, done that on on these things, and I could see why um, Robert Downey Jr., for example, is going to be making an exit sometime soon. Because when sure. I hear his voice, he goes back the furthest with the with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he I just beginning, yeah. I just I just it sounds so similar and familiar when I hear his voice. Yeah. He's like, "We came together to blah blah." Oh my god, yeah, I feel yeah. like I've heard that a thousand times. <laughs> now that said. Um, it looks incredibly ambitious, yeah. um, and I'm really pumped for the for the ambition of it. So when you see that whole army just swelling over the grass, yeah. that that looks phenomenal to me. Um, I don't have like a strong. That's why I was asking you earlier, like what your sort of um, reference point is for Thanos, because mm-hmm. I don't have like a strong comic that I've read. I mean, I've seen him, you know, I've seen him pop up in things sure. time to time. I remember a Thanos book coming out specifically at different times. But I don't, like, have, like, a, a specific, like, Thanos story that I'm really 
beholden to or, sure, or, sure. or, or dedicated to that image of Thanos. So when I see him, I'll just sort of take what it is. I like the gauntlet idea mm-hmm. on the Infinity Gauntlet, and he's putting it together. I like the fact that he's got kind of a humorous vibe to him. And I like that what he said was, you know, I, I'm not doing this for fun, but as it happens, this is just kind of enjoyable. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. Um, that's definitely really good. Also, um, the, the the actress who plays Scarlet Witch, she was also in Wind River, so I like her even more yeah, now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a phenomenal actress, and uh, just seeing her again, I like her because she's refreshing. She really feels new and different yeah. um, in, in the MCU. Um, I also liked uh, Peter Parker's Spidey sense going off in the in the uh, school bus. I mm-hmm. thought that was really solid. Um but overall, I'm really hoping that my, you know. Remember my first comment right after I saw it a couple uh, minutes ago was you're not gonna get bored. Okay. I don't want to get bored, and yeah. I hope that um, there's a lot of good character moments, sure, sure, and good plot and intrigue, sure. Um, not just like let's find out who's doing this, let's find out his weakness, let's, let's have him. a two-hour fight. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. So that's no, my that's thoughts. fair. I I mean I totally agree. Um, but yeah, just talking about the scope of it, it's just it, you know I was. So it, the trailer dropped on Wednesday when I was here at the shop, and I, I was talking with you know Jeremy and Crispy, and so a lot of the, those guys, you know, back when they were first getting into comics and stuff, um, when they were kids, they never, and you know, the first big, really big superhero movie for to, um, them to see was X Men in two thousand. Right, um, right. But um, me too. I'm similar right, age. Right. But they never expected to be in this time where like something like infinity war was imaginable where you could have this just like everyone in the marvel universe come together and have this massive studio blockbuster movie on that biggest scope and yeah. um take place so it's just it was a lot really cool for them to see you know for me i, I was born in 93 so i've kind of just grown up in this whole oh uh, yeah it's hard to remember a time where there wasn't a marvel movie coming out you know even before because even before the mcu you had the x-men movies and um, you had a bad Daredevil movie, but still, Sp- yeah, Spider-Man, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, and Spider-Man trilogy and all that. But um, so it's it is cool to see the scope of it. But I do totally agree that I do want it to have substance. I felt Civil War had a lot of substance to it. Oh, and certainly, I, really enjoyed I, just, it. I, I did. Uh, I also had other problems with the plot. Sure, yeah, that. yeah, that's fair. Um, not, not that it doesn't have substance. I, right. The the plot I had other issues with. Sure, sure. But anyway, but yeah. because of that, I'm excited that the Russo brothers are taking it on. Right. Um, because. Yeah, I didn't really care for Age of Ultron that much, but uh-huh. um, I'm excited by the prospect of this. The Thanos look, I also have not read it, read a lot of Thanos stories or anything, but still, I know, like, the image of him. He looks weird without the helmet. I don't know. The, the, mm. <laughs> there were a bunch of memes going around the other day, and, uh, yeah, it just... Now they're in your head. Yeah, it's just a what, little what too... Were they, what were they making him akin to? Well, someone said he Penis. looks like... Someone said he looks like Harvey Weinstein, and then I couldn't get out of that out of my head. So oh, I no. Was like, I was like, Don't oh, go gosh, on the internet, because... Kevin. <laughs> I know. I should not go on Twitter. But, oh. um, but yeah. But he's, I don't know. Just without the helmet, I'm like, come on. Put the helmet on. You look cooler with it. Yeah. I yeah. still like, I mean, out of the three appearances of Thanos we've had so far, because this, Guardians of the Galaxy, and then the post Yeah, they've been teasing this a while. They've been teasing it since Avengers. Yeah, 2012. Um. And but I like that look the best. Avengers one. Yeah, you remember that was when he made his first appearance. It was the cameo. The the. the I just the, didn't realize it was that long. I remember it. Yeah, that was one who I was showing you the different yeah. actor yeah, yeah. who I'd never heard of. But um, it was a different actor then. Yeah, it was the second post. No, the first post credit scene of the first Avengers movie in 2012. Um, and yeah, he doesn't really say anything, but. He turns around and you see a headshot of him, but wow. he looks really iconic there, and the colors are right, and the helmet's there, and everything. 
then they had you know a full body shot of him and his in face Guardians. color had changed slightly yes it was and, more purple yeah it's more purple and it's still more purple now but i don't know he just looks weird with that helmet on that but yeah it's well, a hard he's gonna put the to helmet do, on uh, isn't he i would think so i mean yeah. i freaking hope yeah, so yeah yeah that's it's not like he never has a helmet is it yeah yeah now okay well but, um go ahead uh, but yeah i mean i haven't watched a lot of the dissecting the trailer clips yet yeah um but there of course there have been plenty of those sure sure people speculating about people make it. whole careers out of right that. oh yeah no i mean <laughs> hey um but i mean it looks like a lot of fun it's impressive that the mcu has gotten to this point that we can have a movie on this scope and this level but i totally get what you're saying and that yeah i absolutely hope for you know a quality story to it um, yeah, something intriguing, because yeah. another, th- another thing that you also get with these stories is we know kind of where they're all headed, because right. a lot of them are comic-based, so as a comics fan, you're, you're one down in the in the being surprised territory. Sure, sure, sure. So I hope that it really goes some interesting directions. Quick question I had, aren't the Guardians supposed to be in this? Oh, you did you not see that at the end of the trailer? No, what, did, what was well, I supposed to see? Thor is turning a corner, and he's like, who the hell are you guys, and the Guardians are right there. I didn't notice that, no. Really? Uh, did you, Maybe I the saw very... the wrong one. What I saw was two minutes and twenty two seconds. Yeah, it's at the very end. But like, uh, I mean, like, the, did you see Thor at the end? Yes, and he's he's like in a thing. Yeah, and he's like, "Who the hell are you guys?" And then the camera turns. The Guardians are right there. Dude, why didn't I fucking see that? That's weird. <laughs> oh no, that's yeah, because that that's was really the big weird. way to close out the trailer. Okay, well, but yeah, they they are gonna be in it. Okay, and yeah. and do they are they gonna be in it heavily? Do you think, or just a little bit? Probably well, I, a little I, that's bit. I'm trying to imagine how heavily everyone's gonna be because it's literally like everyone. I mean, it's. Yeah, you, you point it. You see it. How the hell are you guys? Okay. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even see that. I must okay, have shut yeah, off yeah. my phone before that happened. It's all good. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to imagine exactly how they're going to make it cohesive and bring all... It is two parts. This is part one. That's good. Um, That's real good. They ha- I don't see because how they wouldn't. Don't forget the problems... So many characters. Don't forget the problems with... Uh, whoops. Don't forget <laughs> the problems that we had with... Um, Age of Ultron. Oh yeah, being yeah, yeah. Trying yeah. to condense this huge oh, epic yeah, yeah, into yeah. way too short of a right, package. Right, right, um, That is going to be a big advantage. I mean, to this. this is it. Age of Ultron is going to pale in comparison to this because this is you got Avengers, Black Panther, Spider Man, Guardians, um, Thor and his people from Ragnarok. You know, it's just everyone coming together. Well, hey, man, that's good. I mean, yeah. it, another thing about it, too, when you mentioned that, it is the culmination of a ton of work. Oh, yeah. Um, of building up characters. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that we have characters developed and developed. I still can't believe that we don't have a Scarlett Johansson uh, solo film. Oh, I know. I can't there's, believe there's not a Black Widow one. for it, and everyone wants it. I don't, I don't know why they're not doing it. Yeah. I mean, I get that they're doing Captain Marvel, and that's great, but, yeah. like, come on. Well, we could have two. Oh, yeah. Anyway. I hope it's in the plans for the. I mean, because they still have plans for you know the next two decades of mcu but i don't know but she's kind of getting to the point where she's been in so many movies yeah, yeah. that i feel like she's going to make her exit soon yeah yeah not not her re-entrance right, in a huge right, way you know right so right i think the kind of the ship has sailed on that i just don't know why they never did it i know but i agree anyway it is what it is um so i understand from the sheet that you may have another news story to talk <laughs> to me about <laughs> yeah i couldn't resist on this one okay. so there is a Netflix original coming out. Is it really on Netflix? Yeah. Is it really on Netflix? And it's also starring Ellen Page, so it's probably gonna gonna be really good. Yeah, probably gonna be really popular. Um, Based on Rich's favorite comic book of all time, called The Umbrella Academy. Um, And yeah, who is it by? I don't know if they've announced creators yet. I imagine we will have comic by. Oh, oh, Gerard Way and Gabriel Bob. Hey, Gabriel Bob's good. But yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. He is yeah. very talented. The yeah. art is really nice. It's too bad that it was being guided by 
somebody who was like, I'm a musician. Why don't I make a comic with superheroes, but make it about musical superheroes? Wouldn't that be awesome? And I'm going to make it edgy and dark because that's who I am. I mean, I, anyway, yeah. I, he's got I, – I, I've gotten to the point where it's almost passe for me to rip on him because yeah. he he's owns like – uh, and uh, you know a tenth of the freaking comic book world. Well, it is ridiculous point. how like that's the thing. Like you know, I mean, I don't mind an Umbrella Academy series. Like, I think it's a decent comic. Or I mean, the art is. I, color, I remember but, you not really liking it. It's okay. I mean, it's aside like, from my thoughts on him, you were always like, eh, it's, it's like right. X Men with music. But um, that's my thing. Is that like that's fine if they want to do. I mean, I'm all for shows based on independent comics, but there are so many out there that would make that deserve such a it, good show that, that deserve it more. And this, um, and, and he runs a whole imprint now. Yeah, and, and don't even get me started on you know what happened to Vertigo and yeah. the way that they were just raped. Yeah, um, and you know the creator of Vertigo who created all those great series who brought, um, you know that universe into life. Yeah. Uh, Kathleen Berger and Shelley Bond, um, and and karen berger i mean right. sorry and 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 shelly bond and they were just basically fired one after another and then oh, yeah. what who do they bring in gerard way to run an imprint like yeah. that's just bad idea it's no, just a I, bad I mean, bad, I, bad yeah. idea i don't get why anyway I'm, I'm pissed about dc and vertigo vertigo is i'm very sensitive about them because they got me into, yeah, comics. into comics i mean yeah that's, um, that's uh, huge. the watchman was the first big thing that i read and got into and i was like wow comics are not what i thought they were mm-hmm. and then from there it was all vertigo right so um their demise has really upset me and then also watching series that i love um just get um uh hacked hacked and shortened yeah um anyway all right no i mean i agree but yeah i was hesitant to share it got announced a few months ago but i know a lot of series get announced and you don't want want it until it was made official but yeah they it's happening they cast it's fucking happening Ellen it's going to be a huge deal, and I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah. It's right up my alley. My um, hope, though, is that it will open doors for more independent comics to come to the TV screen and to the big screen. Well, the, uh, you know, yeah, the because pro- there are so many others that would make for great stories. The problem uh, is know. that well, we know we're getting Millar, Millarverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. You'll probably get your uh, Jupiter, uh, Jupiter's legacy thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that could mm-hmm. be a big epic like Game sure. of Thrones with all kinds of spinoffs. Sure, but um, to me. These, these, uh, there are so like, well, I sorry, I forgot my train of thought. I was gonna okay. say something about, um, I was gonna, you, you were saying that you want this to open the door for more independent comics mm, to be made into TV and film, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I forgot my train of thought, okay. Um, I'll think of it later, yeah. Um, moving forward, okay. Um, so what do we have, uh, next on the agenda? Are we so, talking about what we've been reading? Yeah, that was the only news stories I want to talk. Did you see, hear anything in the past week you want to talk uh, about? Uh, not a big, not anything real big. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything. I mean, I'm so bowled over by all of the creators that have just, like, you know, come out with these horrible pasts yeah, that it's, like, it's... Uh, That's true. When it comes to news... It's hard to follow news, yeah. It's just like, oh my god. Oh, I agree. Another one. Another one. Another one that did horrible things. Yeah. Um, it, it really is. Okay. Um, but yeah, well, on really, a lighter note, yeah, let's talk about what we've been watching and reading. Sounds good, um, my friend. Do you want me to go first? Yes, or? I do. Okay. Start it off. Let me start, because I talked about the Punisher a lot last, um, so I'll talk about that in a minute, but let me talk first about Crisis on Earth X, which okay. was the big Arrowverse crossover awesome. this year. Awesome, awesome. Let's hear about it. So, uh, Where are we in the series, by the way? What, how many episodes in are we? 
Uh, they, their mid-season finales are this week. Oh, wow. So they, they this always, was right before the yeah, mid-season. Yeah, okay. and, and so... And it's interesting how they formatted it because so last year was kind of a test run for a big four part crossover. They did um, the first one with all four shows coming together, but it was pretty much just like you know, the heroes versus aliens. Um, they had to fight off an alien invasion and all that, but um, there wasn't many stakes to it. You know, like they you know fought the aliens and it had a resolution, and there weren't any major things in that crossover last year. It was a lot of fun, but there weren't any major things that really changed the storyline of any of the shows in a big way. Mm-hmm. This one, while it like it was um, self-contained enough to where you didn't have to be cut off, uh, caught up to date on all four shows, it did some, had some big surprises at the end and had the death of a major character. Major, really, major? Mm-hmm. Yeah. From wow. Major character from one of the big shows who we already knew that... Um, the actor was going to be leaving the show because, but we everyone assumed that they would just have the character leave. Um, yeah, leave, and you know, kind of fall. But they actually killed this character off. Um, and was in, it in a really like the what was it devastating? It really was. It was hard. I mean, it was a really emotional one. Um, so there was that, and there were some really big surprises. But just to give you a little background on you know what this was, so basically, Earth X is one of the other Earths in the multiverse that. Uh, the Nazis t- won World War II in this universe, mm-hmm. and so um, they've been ruling it ever since, and um, Oliver Queen's doppelganger is the new Fuhrer after Hitler, and so what? like, um, and Supergirl's doppelganger is his wife, and so it's like a really crazy uh, alternate universe thing, but um, so Earth-X is Well, wow, that sounds really good. Yeah, it is. And like, really entertaining. And they team up with... The Earth-X villains team up with Reverse Flash from our, from the main um, universe of, like, the Flash and to expand and take over planets in the, in, on the re- Earths and the rest of the multiverse. And so they come to, um, you know, the main Earth on, uh, on the Arrowverse uh, right as Barry and Iris are getting married. And so they interrupt their wedding, and that sets the stage for the whole crossover. And it's this epic fight of superheroes versus Nazis in an alternate universe. Oh wow! So good. So it and it's just. I mean, it was one of those where you know, imagining you know, you, like when you're growing up reading comics. All four series are in it. All four series. Um, and they did it kind of like it really works well as its own mini series, kind of because. Um, like I said, you don't have to be super caught up. I mean, I'm not caught up in on Legends um, or even Arrow right now, but um, and I still followed everything okay because it it the store main storyline is very kept toward what's going on in this narrative. So you really don't have to be super caught up in everything else going on. Um, but nonetheless, it ends with some pretty big surprises at the very end, wow. and it ends with the death of a major character, um, which I thought was handled very well. Um, but it's also just balls to the wall entertainment. You know, it was by far the most ambitious thing they've done in the Arrowverse yet in it, the what six years of its existence, mm-hmm. and one of the best without a doubt. Great. Um, How were the production values? Like, production like value being very insane. critical. Oh, it, it was awesome. I mean, like, and I mean, not only me, but everyone watching it was like on uh, Twitter and reviews, and was like. I cannot believe how much better this is than Justice League. <laughs> like that's wow. what everyone was saying. Like because wow. because it was. I mean, there were some really just fun comic booky moments, and the special effects were stellar. There were some great battle scenes. Um, just the image of everyone teaming up. I mean, this was Green Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, all the legends, 
Mr. Terrific, um, Killer Frost, uh, you know, just, I can't even name all of them that were, that showed up. Um, they also had Captain Cold's doppelganger from Earth-X, who was one of the heroes. Um, so he was there. There was just so much fun stuff going on, and, um, it built character relationships really well. It was just stellar entertainment. But yeah, I watched that on Friday night. All four awesome. Yeah, I remember we were talking, yep. and, and you had oh, there, oh, there was it was four episodes sequential, or they so on this. I watched it on the CW app, and yeah, they put it all together. Um, really, before uh, it as under one banner. Oh so wow, they, that's why they kind of it kind of operated like I said as its own miniseries. Um, but yeah, it was where like I said, whereas last that's year's a lot of crossover, episodes. yeah, because whereas last year's crossover it was a lot of fun and it was a good test run um, to see if they could do something this ambitious. You know, this took everything up a notch, and um, they not only had, you know, an ambitious, you know, um, bringing the shows together and big battles. I mean, that's movie length, too. Oh, it's very Or longer, oh, even. Yeah, longer. I mean, it was, well, you think about, I mean, without commercials. 44 minutes, 44. Car, right. 44 and 44, so you have 80, and 80 is 160, 174. Yeah. So you're looking at um, about three hours. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a lot. It was. Um, but it was. Fully enjoyable, riveting yes. the whole time. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's yeah. impressive. Um, cool. Yeah, awesome. Um, I remember what I was going to say before. Okay. Okay. So it was about uh, independent comics and what they do to them when they bring them into the TV and okay. movie world. Okay. Um, two great examples. iZombie. Okay. And... Um, um, Preacher? No. No. That's that's a good example of doing it right. Um, iZombie and um, Lucifer. Okay, yeah, yeah, So yeah. both of those shows, yeah. you know where I'm going with this. Yes. They took that series, those series, basically the name only. Yeah. Um, there's, there's almost nothing, nothing else terrible. about those books. It's crazy that they even bothered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the premise of iZombie is, um, you know, here's this girl and, and, you know, she gets turned into a zombie and she's, you know, a little bit more of a pop culture girl than most people that get turned into zombies mm-hmm. in books. But aside from that, I mean, in the, in the book, it's all like a bunch of monsters sure. and 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 different you know uh, supernatural and and sci-fi and fantasy kind of stories sure. that happen with her and it's serialized. None of that's in it. Yeah. It's a police procedural, and every week she eats a brain and gets the memories of the person who she eats mm-hmm. or becomes that person. Yeah. That's it. Um, now there's a little bit of serialization in that show, but generally speaking, that's what they took from it is the main conceit. Lucifer, same thing. Um, Lucifer's um, a um, an angel of death. Um, he decides he's going to go on a vacation in in this show, uh-huh. and he just comes up to the U.S. or the America, um, and he's just like, "I'm going to set up a, a nightclub." And like, and then in the in the TV show, what does he do? Solves crimes. Uh-huh. So he teams up with a uh, a beautiful police officer woman, and they go and they solve crimes procedurally every episode. Now there has I actually really like that show and yeah. iZombie. Uh, oh no, they're that, and, it's a really good point though. And, yeah, that they tend to take those shows, th- those comics, those great independent comics with these do great ideas, totally do something totally procedural. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm totally cool with Case of the Week. Sure. But I, I when you take away what's so central Special to the, about I, the comic, I don't get why you would do that. Now, I agree. on conversely, uh, American Gods, which isn't really a comic, it's a show, but I mean a, a book. Um, but it's it's gaming, so I think of it in that same kind of vibe. Mm, sure. Um, same thing with Preacher. These are series that. 
uh, took the source material and either are expanding on it in the case of Preacher yeah. where they did like a prequel season and then right. they get into the book right. or in the case of American Gods where they just dive in and really go hard at at being true to what was good. If there's a crocodile book, in, yeah. I mean a crocodile bar in that book, uh-huh. you'd be damned if there isn't going to be a beautifully realized crocodile bar sure. in that show. Sure. In fact, they had to rebuild it twice just to get it right. Sure. Um, so the you know the, the, the painstaking work to yeah. make it authentic is is being done so things are moving in the right direction um, but when I think about Umbrella Academy and then when you talk about the potential for other independent yeah, comic yeah. books to come over that is my fear that they will come over as you know watered down versions of what they were in name only so that's fair hopefully that doesn't happen um, in, in the case of ones to come well one I do want to check out that actually I think comes this week on sci-fi have you heard about happy no really okay did you ever read that one no it's but that's a Millar right it's a Grant Morrison Oh, Did you what know is about? this? So, um, Whoa. like, I need, I want to go back and read the comic. Yes. And, um, but so Grant Morrison wrote this comic in 2012 called Happy. It was a four issue miniseries. Real brief. Um, right. Really brief. But um, yeah, and it also kind of merged, you know, crime with Supernatural. Oh, my God. But How did I not know about this? I'm surprised you didn't. Okay, Keep so um, this week on Sci-Fi it's coming as a tv show and i was reading about it yesterday uh grant morrison co-wrote the pilot it was in the writer's room the whole time co-wrote the finale as well um but basically he always wanted to keep the comic going but i think it just got a limited run and so the show is really what he wanted to do with the comic originally and oh, it has it's so good it's yeah. got and it's got christopher maloney, christopher maloney and, <gasps> and Pat oswald is the voice of the um, his imaginary friend. Oh my god! How yeah. do I not know about this? I'm this is like a huge deal. Really big Th- deal. This was announced kind of late, wasn't it? It was. It, well, so sci-fi's... Re- I mean, I haven't really watched sci-fi channel I in do, a long but time. I do, yeah. Okay, but like, um, they are coming out with some big projects um, the around The Expanse was big. Expanse. The Magicians was big. And Magicians, then... this, and then they're also doing that series Krypton, which is about... I have no idea how that's going to go, but it's about Superman's grandfather. Um, I don't know if that sounds awesome. Yeah, because it takes place on Krypton. Yeah, so it's going to yeah. be that world we never got to see, right, not right. ever. Sure. Right. Um, but yeah, that's a really big one. That uh, and so and that's a really cool thing too because it's it, it's interesting. Oh my that it's god, going... Deadly Class. Well, the what they're doing, Deadly Class. Oh, really? Are they okay? I did not know. About which that. which I'm sure is based on the uh, yeah yeah oh, that god, comic. Be, yeah. Oh my god, that's awesome. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is that. Uh, usually it's the other way around for like you know a show gets canceled and then they want to a comic gives them more freedom to do it because they can just keep it going for as long as they want but with this book yeah he got a limited run and he always wanted to do more with it mm-hmm. um, but uh, so the show is giving him that opportunity he said in the interview I read it in um, a sci-fi magazine I subscribed to that yeah he wants to keep it going for multiple seasons if you know it gets popular enough hopefully Sounds it does great. um but I, yeah it premieres this week dude krypton david escoy i know yeah it's gonna be sweet yep i don't hate him like people do i don't either i mean like he has his hits and misses but um i tremors is gonna be a show i just can't oh the woods oh, i bet really? you okay. that's coming too man comic books wow we just got our wish like right now because yeah, <laughs> it sounds like well, i know i hope these all actually happen you know and and are done properly yeah right mm-hmm. right awesome awesome so okay, that one's cool. big uh, why don't you talk about something you've been watching? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I am going to start with um, Alias Grace. So did I talk about this a little bit before? Maybe, but go ahead. Okay, so what Alias Grace is is um, 
obviously everybody knows The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. Handmaid's Tale was um, is based on a book, a oh, yeah, brilliant, a brilliant okay. book um, okay. by Margaret Atwood. Um, and um, so that's going on, and it happened on Hulu. It was a huge smash right. hit, won tons of Emmys, um, and it's about you know sort of a dystopian um, future where um, like you know. Women have become infertile in everywhere, yeah. and a cult yeah. is in control. Yeah, yeah. And and there's a woman whose uh, her name is Alfred, um, and she's struggling to survive and get back to her child who's been taken from her. Um, it's brilliant. It talks about social. It's a social commentary like you wouldn't believe. Supposedly very relevant to now, et cetera, et cetera. At the same time, that was being developed. Um, Sarah Polly, who's a brilliant um, uh, uh, writer, and she did uh, that movie Go, which mm-hmm. is actually a really good movie. Um, and then she also recently did a documentary like that was kind of like a weird, um, he's not hereish, uh, you know, documentary slash like interesting premise movie where you find out like a big reveal at some point that like mm-hmm. blows your mind. I haven't seen it, but I really want to. But anyway, she's like turned. She originally was an actress much more, and then she sort of shifted into being like an like a young auteur director, okay. kind of like a Sofia Coppola vibe. Okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway. She is she she made this series Alias Grace based on another of Margaret Atwood's books. What's interesting about Alias Grace is it's about a real person named Grace Marks and a real um I think it was a triple homicide or at least a double homicide um that took place uh for real um in um uh in Canada. Uh and basically her Grace Marks and a uh, helper around the house, guy who chops woods like mm-hmm. a groundsman. Um, I guess in real life fell in love and murdered um, their um, land land man, whatever his name is, okay. the, the the owner of the home. Um, yeah. And uh, his originally she came in as a servant, and then they started sleeping together, and she kind of became the lady of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those two were murdered. Grace um, is accused of it and convicted. She isn't mur- she isn't put to death. However, the the groundsman guy is. Um, and then that's basically what happened in the real life story. Well, what Margaret Atwood did in her novel Alias Grace, which it is really a novel, it's a historical fiction, but it's based directly on this sure, event, sure. Um, is about a doctor. Um, he uh, is set up to come and talk to Grace um, on behalf of a religious community that wants her exonerated for her crimes. They don't think she did it. Yeah. And if she did, they think she was psychotic when she did it. And therefore, by reason of insanity, she should be uh, released. Um, and so what happens is um, Dr. Jordan goes to uh, meet her. And she's she's beloved in the community in, like, a weird way. Like, she's, like, famous because she's this murderess, but she's very mild-mannered. She's really brilliant and pithy. The comments she makes are, like, people can't believe. She, she's, she's, she's full of real-world wisdom that you would learn if you're a smart person in a really harsh environment. And so um, she's beloved by the community, and this sort of religious community lets her leave prison and do, like, work as a servant in their house. And, you know, she thinks the reason is because they like to gawk at her and think, like, there's a murderess in the house. Let's look at her. She's so interesting. But at the same time, they're kind of trying to do her a kindness. So there's a lot of sort of mixed ambiguous motives. But the point of the story is Dr. Jordan is brought in to interview her and find out the whole story of her life um, and figure out if she did it for real, um, if she was psychotic when she did it, and potentially to make a report and try to get help get her exonerated. Um, so he's a really industrious doctor. He's, he's young and handsome, and, and he really wants to, like, understand what can motivate a person to behave this okay. way 
oh, and he's really trying to like break new ground and, and, and find new frontiers of, of mental health and medicine. So the whole thing is this really brilliant experience where it's him and her sitting in a room, and there's some little scenes that take place offhand, but mainly it's her telling her story of her life starting out in either Ireland or Scotland, traveling over to Canada, um, and you know, losing her parents and, and, and just the horrible upbringing. Her dad was incredibly abusive. She escapes to this house. That house, horrible things happen. So it's basically just about the story of how she ends up getting to this house where, this, where she commits this crime, potentially. Uh-huh. Um, and then what happens in that house that leads up to it. So the first two episodes, I'd say it's six-episode series on Netflix. First two episodes are basically how she gets to the house in Canada, her, her real backstory. And then there's about three episodes and a half which are about, you know, kind of what happened in that house. And then, you know, it's sideways shooting between the present day where they're talking to her about the story and kind of getting new revelations about what might have happened and then the actual story itself. But what starts to happen is it's an unreliable narrator situation where she starts to tell you one thing, but then you as the viewer are seeing what maybe really happened. Um, it's really brilliant. Um, what's really cool about it is, much like she's able to kind of bewitch Dr. Jordan with the way she talks and her mannerisms and her wisdom, sure. and she knows, like, she'll, like, I'll give you a great example. She talks about a really traumatic event, like a rape, um, and she talks about it, she starts going into graphic detail about what had happened, and, 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 and you know, and then she wa- she says after it happened, she walked outside and she saw, like, uh, uh, um, sheets um, hanging from a tree and and they look like bloody sheets and they look like sheep being hung from a tree but then she woke up the next day and she saw that all of her sheets had been moved and actually hung on the tree and so she was basically telling this story which probably didn't really happen we find out uh-huh. instead she was making it up because it's psychologically interesting and she wanted to make to pique Jordan's interest she says Dr. Jordan I can see you I can see how much joy I'm bringing you telling you this story um, it, it makes your mind move, and that is what brings you pleasure. Um, basically, this idea of like she's manipulating him in these really interesting, devious ways, and you don't really know what she's saying is true or not. And, and, and brilliantly, it's a show. I never can say this about a show, but this show, by the end, even though it doesn't give you an absolute definitive answer on whether she did it or not, whether she's crazy or not, um, it does give you enough answers but it's the only time I've seen ambiguity done where it didn't piss me off. Okay. Where I was so happy with how they did everything, how they did the characters, how they did the plot, how they resolved everything, and so on board with the way that the filmmakers made the show that I didn't have any problem with the fact that it wasn't an absolute solid answer on Mm. what had happened because everything about the whole situation is kind of ambiguous in a brilliant way. Mm. So it's six episodes. They're an hour each. Some of them are 45 minutes, so you know how Netflix is like that. Yeah. It's brilliant, dude. So unlike the reaction to that Darren Aronofsky movie a couple months ago where everyone hated the ambiguous ending. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. This is that done right (laughs) where it's... it's, yeah, if they had been more clear about it, it necessarily it might have been just as good, uh-huh. but it may not have been. Like sure. it was just really well done, and and, and, and that's the, hard to do, you know, really yeah. hard to do. Yeah. It's really hard to pull off an ambiguous ending that doesn't piss people off. Sure. Even American Vandal, which I'm absolutely in love with, it's definitely you know on my best of the year list. Um, it has an ambiguous ending that I kind of didn't love, even though I love that show like as much as buttered bread. You uh-huh. know, I mean, it's just it just tastes great. Um, it's just one of the, but anyway, um, Alias Grace really um, 
succeeds at what it's trying to do. Okay. Um, cool. and, and a lot of people are saying it's as good, if not better, than Handmaid's Tale. And I've seen the first episode or two of Handmaid's Tale. I, that's obviously a fantastic show. Mm-hmm. Um, this is more up my alley because it's okay, more yeah. of like the murder mystery vibe, yeah, the psychological. I know, yeah. Well, I, think shorter. I, I saw the pilot of Handmaid's Tale, but, I mean, it's incredibly well done, but it's so depressing. So depressing. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is much more, although it's bleak, um, she's, sta- she's sitting there right in front of you doing her knitting and telling you her story, and it's just so compelling right. and interesting, and not, it, it's not, there, there is one, like, stretch of 15 or 20 yeah. minutes that's real brutal, but aside from that, none of it ever feels painful right. on me, the viewer, and I'm right there with you. Like when I'm watching like, stuff, Tell, I could watch like as a movie, but I don't want to spend ten hours in that universe. It's bleak. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's horrendously yeah, bleak. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I would say you would really like Alias Grace, and I think okay. you'd get a lot of the same themes. The other thing I want to say about it is. Uh, Margaret Atwood is brilliant in that she and she's a great sci-fi writer, sure. speculative fiction. Um, she just sometimes just writes straight drama, um, and she recently got all kinds of like you know lifetime achievement awards. She's one of the most sure. brilliant writers of our time. And the thing that she does so well is she writes female and male characters, but especially female characters, not just that are realistic and powerful and right, strong right. but that are flawed so oftentimes the problem that you get when you see feminist literature or literature that has strong female characters unbelievably is the, strong right yeah, yeah. the author find, feels the need this weight on their shoulders of all the generations of wrong that's been done to female characters sure. and like making them objects and having them serial sure. killers kill them and they're, they're splayed out they and, do the opposite and make them gods right so, and yeah. and so it either it makes them gods but also it just it just turns them into characters that aren't always that interesting sure. oh this powerful woman just slammed the door in that guy's face okay in this they're they're human right. incredibly right. and their power comes from their humanity and and their truth it's almost like a celebration of of, of real women as opposed to a a building up of a fake avatar of what a strong woman would be you know yeah, yeah. Um, in a really brilliant way so cool. anyway it was it, it's really excellent both of those the movies uh, excuse me both uh, Handmaid's Tale and Alias Grace have that in common where these these characters are doing horrible things sometimes but there's a strength in them it's very equal opportunity in that way cool so nice. anyway love cool. Alias Grace okay very nice Cool. What else you got for us? Well, on a different note, I saw Pixar's Coco recently. All right, all so right. So good. Oh, my gosh. Is I, it really wanted, so good? It was. I mean, I actually would rank it up there with, like, Inside Out and Monsters, Inc. I mean, I'm a huge Pixar fan. I've sure. been watching those movies ever since they came out. And, um, right. you know, I would say Incredibles is still my personal favorite, um, which, of course, I'm excited for Incredibles 2 next summer. And I think there should be an adult-only screening of that movie. And, but um, because... Really? Uh, because we've grown up with that. All the kids uh, that are just getting into it, they don't know how long we've waited for an incredible sequel. And, like, I feel like there should be a separate screening for just hardcore fans. Okay. To, like, All right. each other. And then one with everyone. But that's just, uh, you know, me. But so Coco, um, it's a very different kind of in that um, this is it's set in Mexico. It's um, this kid who has always wanted to be a musician and his great great grandfather was was this famous musician but this is starting to sound a little bit like um um kubo kubo and um also book of life it's a plot wise it's not like ridiculously original it's more in the way that it's executed okay. and the way that the story is told and the animation which is just spectacular okay and the voice talents but so the dad's um, so his father's a musician the great great grandfather okay. um who had abandoned the family and that's okay. why his family is very against him um Playing having any music. kind of ambitions because they believe it's like a curse for them and all that mm-hmm. and so one thing leads to the next and basically he discovers 
um, this kind of portal to the land of the dead, and um, awesome. this kind of and he goes there, and the only way he can get out of it is to receive a blessing from a family member there. And so he's trying to seek out the great grandfather. Oh, that's an awesome and idea! It's this like sprawling narrative, and you know, of course, he discovers things along the way about himself, about his family. Um, and meets and new really entertaining nice characters. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I mean, it's kind of like I said, the plot is like, so I went with my friend Jacob, and both of us like were teary at the end. Like that's how it made you know two grown men get like we were just like you know, hanging out like we were getting emotional by the end because it was that kind of but it wasn't so much that we didn't see the ending coming it was just the way it was told and the delivery and the kid did a phenomenal job i did not know the actor's name off the top of my head but incredible voice actor um a lot of voice actors all around the music was just perfection and the way is so jacob's a big music guy and he said that um because before they the movie the directors talked just a little bit and they were saying how long it took them to compose certain shots and images and how much work went into it. And he I said that imagine. right down to them, you know, moving a guitar string, he said it was fully accurate, you know. Like yeah. the, um, and he can notice differences there if it is inaccurate. No, I'm, I'm the same way with because uh, I play guitar. <laughs> sure. I, when, I, when you see people playing guitar, like if, if they're just like strumming ridiculously right, you know or they're like, not making any chords mm-hmm. or – I mean you can tell even if you don't play piano when somebody's sure, playing sure. ridiculously fake piano. Sure, you sure, know? sure. It's important. Authenticity is important. Mr. Robot, one of the reasons it's so good is you can look at any screen that's being hacked and mm-hmm. it is real. Mm-hmm. And it looks real. Even though we don't know why, we don't know what's going mm-hmm. on on that screen. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. tell some shit's not fake. It's not that whole like – you want to hack this file question mark and a little button right it's like click right you know what i mean right. like come on right so it was just oh i loved it um yeah and the animation and the lighting is just so spectacular it's interesting because it takes place almost entirely at night um, oh i love this idea the way that's done because it's a very short span of time it's he's there in the land of the dead for a night and he has to get out of it before sunrise so he doesn't turn into like one of these skeletons um and so it's very short span of time cool um, but it's just a sprawling adventure sounds very inside out ish yeah it is um, because yeah, it's yeah, in yeah. a condensed space yes, it's, condensed it's, space, it's a quick time, time right? right yeah oh it was that kind of like golden fleece narrative very like um and yeah but it's just, the characters were so good there was a lot of emotional depth to it um yeah it was just pixar bringing its a game awesome um, and so it's up there in the top of the pixar films yeah i would say like probably top five for me wow I mean, okay i have to go back and i mean there are a lot of pixar movies but especially the earlier ones they're also good um but yeah i was re- i'm really glad at how much i enjoyed it there awesome. is an epic long pixar i mean um frozen short at the beginning because they always play shorts at the beginning of pixar okay. movies. the frozen short here is 20 minutes and so it's a little you know you have to get comfy during that but I thought it was decent, though. You know, like, uh, I think Frozen's a little overrated. It's a good. It's a very good movie, but like, it's a, not your not favorite. like my absolute favorite. I mean, I I think there. I mean, Let It Go is a phenomenal song, but I just, people are in love with that movie so much because of Let It Go. Um, but the the short here was fun. It was Olaf's big adventure or something okay. like that. All right. Um, Sounds good. I don't think it needed to be twenty minutes, but it right. was solid. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, but I like the Land of the Dead as a setting. Yes. Um, so there's actually this video game called Grim Fandango, which yeah. is a um, you might have heard of it. It's a Lucas Arts game um, by Tim Schafer, and mm. it's really, really beloved by fans. And basically, you're this guy who explores the underworld. He's a he's an insurance salesman in the land of the dead. Um, yeah. So you can imagine what that'd be like. Um, so cool. Anyway, but yeah, uh, it sounds Coco. good. Sounds yeah. good. Awesome. Um, 
why don't you I'll, I'll do a quick one then okay um so i saw a movie last night actually called the dinner um i don't know if you've ever seen this it's on netflix no, now yeah, it's okay. 2017 okay um richard Gere, um steve coogan mm-hmm. who's the generally a comedian from, yeah, yeah, from yeah, the no. uk yeah. um laura linney is yeah. the wife of steve coogan and another actress who I don't know particularly well, Chloe Sevigny, also plays uh, the younger wife of Richard Gere, who uh, who left at one point. Um, but basically, um, it is a thriller film that, when I first read the description, I thought it was My Dinner at Andre's meets uh, a, a murder mystery, okay. basically. Okay. Um, I was wrong about that. It's much more of a psychological thriller um, where these four characters come to dinner and, um, you know, the four characters are Steve Coogan, who is like an, an, an ex-history teacher who's, you know, a little bit like edgy and unstable seeming at the beginning. But he's really just like like hates like prosperity and wealthy people and pomposity and all of that. Mm-hmm. So at, fair, at the first, you're really like, you know, on his side. You're like, oh, he thinks this restaurant, this French restaurant is bullshit. I kind of do too. You know, it's very much designed to be that kind of entryway for the for the viewer into, yeah, the, yeah. into the movie. Um his wife is Laura Linney, who, you know, at first is kind of mild-mannered, but she gets a lot more hardcore as the movie goes on. Um, Richard Gere plays Stan, who is a um, senator, uh, and um, or, or so, he's a something, and he's, he's running for governor or something. He's okay. an important politician. Okay. Um, and then his wife, who's kind of like a... At the at first, she seems much more like a gold digger, kind of mm-hmm. you know chasing the senator, and you know she's his second wife, and mm-hmm. not the mother of any of his actual kids, etc. Um, as it goes on, you see that she's a lot more tied in than you might think. But basically, the four of them get together for a dinner, and um, then you start seeing flashbacks to things that happened in the past that start developing these characters. Um, and what's interesting about the movie is the concept so what you really have to know about this is it's originally based on a book called um the dinner um it was a dutch novel um Mm. so it's translated from the dutch in 2012 um in in a uk version and then in 2013 it came to the u.s um in a u.s version of the book this book's been translated i think in over 100 international countries like it's a smash hit Uh bestseller um and then three movies have been made about it Uh one dutch one German, maybe, or, or, or one other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, this American film is the most recent. Um, it was actually going to be Kate Blanchett's directorial debut, uh, but then she bowed out at a certain point. Um, so it's been done a lot. It's a really brilliant idea. Unfortunately, this version sucks. Okay. Um, it's painful. I saw somewhere like a review. What did you watch it on? Uh, Netflix. Okay. I saw somewhere that it, it's like they say the most excruciating dinner you'll ever sit wow. through. Okay. Um, it's not that bad. I mean, it's a 50 on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, it's yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. It's sure, not sure. horrendous. Right. It's like generally but average yeah. reviews. But yeah. I felt I found it to be a really good idea done really poorly. Okay. Um, it was a tonal mess. The tones are all over the place uh-huh. um, and not in a good way. I'm totally cool with, you know, moments of levity butting up against moments of severity and intensity. Sure. That can work. Sure. Not here. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically what, what it is is... Um, each of their brothers, Stan and Steve Coogan's character, uh-huh. and um, the two of them uh, have kids. They each have a kid, and then there's this third boy named Bo, who the senator and his wife adopted. He's a, a black kid, um, and he's always sort of felt on the outs from these two, you know, privileged white kids uh-huh. um, that are best friends. Um, so those kids, you don't find this out now, but apparently a night or two earlier. Um, were at a party. The party got broken up. The three of them were sort of adrift. They didn't have a ride. 
So they're just walking around and they need to get money out of an ATM to call a parent. Well, in that ATM is a homeless woman and she won't move. So Bo, um, being a, you know, a decent sort, kind of runs off and, um, you know, is like, I'm not having any part of this. Don't, don't hurt that woman. These two privileged boys, especially one of them, Michael, he's like the ringleader. He starts picking up garbage and throwing it at her. He starts picking up paint cans and throwing it at her. Uh-huh. And it culminates in him lighting matches and throwing them on her to try to get her to get up and leave. And then she combusts, combusts into flames at one point. Wow. And uh, is murdered in this in this ATM. He's like a sixteen okay. year old boy, okay. um, and he's there. And worse than that, you see uh, uh, shots later where he's like looking into the ATM and taking photos and like, mm-hmm. dude, this is cool, man. And, I mean, horrible. He's wow. a monster. He's a psychopath. And so these parents have to come to grips with what their kids have done, and then figure out what they're going to do. Obviously, Stan has a political career to think about. Um, Coogan and his wife are kind of like, they made a mistake, we need to cover this up. And it's that conflict of, of interest. And they just argue about it for this dinner and figure out what's going to happen. And so that's really all set up. I mean, you find that stuff out throughout the movie, but it's really just set up to what are they all going to do about this. Unfortunately, the last 20 minutes are the only part where it's really like, I mean, all that's all set up throughout. Um, the last 20 minutes are where you actually like see any like crackling excitement and tension yeah. and action is, is in the very ending. Um, and then it ends incredibly ambiguously like an asshole. Um, but yeah. the point is that is that's really interesting. So the movie is a piece of trash. But what's fascinating is, check this out, as a writer, as we're writers, um, what the author did, the initial author is, he made this character, Steve Coogan. Uh, well, it's not named Steve Coogan, but, you know, that, yeah, 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 that yeah, his, yeah, yeah. the guy he's playing. Um, he made him the narrator for the whole book. But he is, again, an unreliable narrator. So the idea is that at the very beginning of the book, he gives you these ideas like they're they're going to this dinner and he's like, I don't want to hang out with these apes, these these these, um, uh, you know, spoiled rich people at this restaurant where they bring out, you know, seven different courses and act like assholes prancing all about. So you get the idea that he just hates like the pomposity and the um, opulence of these Uh people's lives. And so at first, you're totally on his side. And it takes a while as the movie progresses and as the novel progresses to realize, no, he is not a good guy. Uh-huh. In fact, he's not, he does not angry about their pomposity. He's just a straight-up monster. Um, and as, you, as it goes on, you realize that he has um, uh, psychosis in his family. And he's been on uh, medication. Um, he's very mentally deranged. Um, uh-huh. And so as it goes on further, you realize that he's, you know, he, you see more and more how sick he really is. So the idea is to put you in the place of this guy and make you feel like he's your avatar in the story and then rip him to shreds by showing you what he really is and making you feel that because you are him now. So that's the way that the, right. So that's the way the book does its work. Uh-huh. And that's why the book is such an effective, apparently brilliant. I didn't read it. Yeah. Apparently brilliant work. Uh-huh. Um, and then, like, as he spins more and more out of control, you feel like you're spinning more and more right, out of control right. because you've been given a reason. So, it's, so you can imagine if you're reading a, you know, a, a story where you know he's narrating and telling you what he's doing and what he's seeing, and you know, there's two ways to look at that. One, you know, it could be like a Breaking Bad situation where you're watching him and you're like, I'm not really on board with this, mm-hmm. or it could be a, actually that's a bad example because you kind of get on board with him in some ways. But but it, you know, let's just say you're watching like a third person narrative, but. It's a horrible monster from the beginning. Uh-huh. Or it's one where you're totally on board with them like a Forrest Gump and you're just with them the whole ride. But in this, it takes it and halfway through cuts it and makes you with him, but we're wishing you weren't. Okay. You know? 
It's really clever. Um, so the book is really clever. Uh, the movie is, is really just didn't pull it off well. Okay. Um, but anyway, it's a cool story, I thought. I, I did not expect to talk about that for that long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Sorry it's okay. That. Interesting. No. Yeah. Okay, cool. What else you got? Um, you know, I'm watching. I finished Punisher, which I talked about on the last podcast. But, yeah, I really love this season. Um, I thought it did a fantastic job building Frank's character. Um, John Bernthal's performance was stellar. Um, also, the actor who played uh, Micro, the NSA analyst uh-huh. that he teams up with, um, was one of the be- also one of the best parts of the show. Um, and what I really liked is how it develops the villain. It's not a like, hey, I'm the villain kind of. It does villain. it well. Right. And That's it rare. it starts them out as friends. Um, it gives them a really interesting backstory. Um, so I thought that was done and really well handled very nicely. Was it very uh, clear that he was going to be the villain, though, even when they're friends? Well, the, the friend stuff, he's introduced um, at the beginning of the show and is not aware that Frank is still alive. And then um, there is a flashback episode. Well, not entirely, but there's a lot of flashbacks in episode three of when they were war buddies. Uh, and so there is, you know, heavy hints that he's going to be, but it wasn't like super obvious, I don't think. Okay, um, but so so you were somewhat taken aback and surprised. In yeah, a good way. I thought, yeah, yeah, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, how does it rank um, compared to other? Netflix's? I may have to put it at the top. I mean, number Daredevil. one with a Punisher bullet. I mean, like I love Daredevil and, and Jessica Jones is great too, but um, and Daredevil will always be one of my favorite comic book heroes. But yeah, I just thought this was handled the best in, from a narrative standpoint. That's unbelievable. From, uh, yeah. So the series that wasn't even planned to be a series. And if you think about it, that does yeah. make some sense because, because he's the it one wasn't character. Bu- Go ahead. wasn't building up the Defenders and it didn't have the constraints of that. It could just be its own thing. That's part of it. But I think more importantly possibly is that it brew up organically. Yeah. So it's like so. what do we need in this series now that we know what the series is, right. now that we know what these shows can be, what – Come, what fills itself in naturally to this space as opposed to what did we design on some design doc right. before we had any idea how any of it would come out. That's the thing. It was just everyone was uh, fell in love with John Bernthal's performance on Daredevil. And I think originally he was just going to be like a Daredevil villain and pop up in the other shows. But People everyone loved him. loved him so much that the end they finally got Punisher right um, and did it so viscerally. And, um, and you know, of course, he's an antagonist in Daredevil. Here, of course, he bridges the line between anti-hero and villain. I just can't believe that he um, has a 13-episode series. I, I just really thought it was going to be a shorter one. Right, right. So. And I thought it really made really good use of every episode. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Did it, how did it feel? I know you love it, love it. Yeah. But was there ever dragging parts? There were some slow, but, but even the pacing when it was slow, I thought it was justified. And like I kind of liked that it wasn't you know balls-to-the-wall action the entire time. Um, I like that there were slower character moments and that it starts off with him trying to put back behind the Punisher life and okay. start afresh. Much like gets, a lot of these stories. Right, right and he gets right. back into it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just seeing how it handles and explores PTSD, gun control, sometimes that stuff is a little too heavy-handed, uh, but because um, it's very aware of, you know, trying to make a Punisher show in this day and age is not easy mm-hmm. um, with gun control and shooting things such a hot issue um and i think it does a good job i think they delayed it delicately because of that because of one of the shootings they delayed punisher a little bit they canceled a panel at new york Comic Con, oh, okay. but okay. um i think it was a, it was always planned around november okay though, but, all right yeah. um cool. but i think it really does good, do a good job of just saying and saying that this is not a pro-violent show by any means and it's not saying 
that Punisher is the ultimate hero. It's very much like looking at him just as a character. And, right, here is who yeah, he is. Right. Eat, um, warts and all. Right. And I think it does that really well. Awesome. So it was great. So I... Um, I um, I'm going to be a little brief on this last one on yeah, Wind yeah. River because I do not want to spoil anything because it, yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Um, What's I, it on right now? Um, it's not. I had to oh, re- yeah, red boxed it, it. I red boxed it. Yeah. Um, it'll be on something soon though. Yeah, yeah, it's not right. one of those that's so popular that. Anyway, yeah, but I remember it when it came out. Yeah, and, and when it came out, it got tremendously good reviews. Mm. Um, and it stars um, Jeremy um, Rainer. Renner and um, Elizabeth Olsen. Mm. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm. For, who plays yeah. Scarlet Witch and. Basically, I'm going to give you the broad strokes and then tell you why I love it. Um, broad strokes, it is a murder mystery that takes place in um, Wyoming or, or one of those states that are out there in the, like, it's totally like frozen tundra of mm-hmm. the West. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Jackson Hole, yeah, it's Wyoming. And um, what happens is there's a girl in the very beginning of the movie, you see her running and running and running in this freezing cold, and finally she collapses and dies. Um, she's found, um, and then it flashes to him. He is a hunter. Um, but for the uh, National Wildlife uh, Fish and Wild Game, he hunts predators. Uh-huh. Um, so the idea is that if uh, there's a wolf and it's attacking people, um, he comes in and takes it out from a distance with a sniper scope as humanely as possible uh-huh. and, and takes away the, the problem. Uh-huh. Well, he's doing this on and off a reservation called the Wind River Reservation of Native Americans. And it's very much an exploration of like how um, damaged the Native Americans have become at this point, how... how how much like the sh- a shell of their former glory that they have become, in large part due to what's been done to them, and some part due to some of the rot from within. Um, but just a real candid look at, at at what's going on to Native American communities in this day and age. And actually, the guy who directed the movie, um, <clears throat> his he lived in this area and okay. he saw this firsthand. So to him, it's very he it, it cuts close to home. These are friends of his that it's similar. So it's not based on any. It says based on true events when it starts, but it's not based on any specific event. But rather, it's a conglomeration of like the kind of stuff that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, basically, so this guy's a hunter. Um, this girl is found dead. The nearest, um, the nearest FBI agent um, to the area is in Vegas at the time, and so she's called in because she's the closest to the scene when it happens. She's totally out of her element. Um, she's dressed like for warm weather, and she's in the tundra. Um, they said you'll die in three minutes if you go out there in this uh-huh. this outfit. So basically, she asks him to team up. She's like, "You hunt predators for a living. Help me hunt this predator." Um, the two of them team up. Now he has a backstory where he lost a daughter. Um, in the past, so it's very personal to him. He also has deep connections and ties. Um, and it turns out that his best friend is the father of the girl who died. And so the investigation ensues from there. And I won't go into any more details. Um, the point is, it is a masterpiece movie. It is a shotgun blast to your fucking face. It is so intense when, when shit finally goes down, when you find out what's really happened, what's really going on. It is... It's, it's both gorgeous and majestic and brutal. It's like a wolf attack of a movie. Um, silent, stealthy, mm-hmm. and when it sneaks up on you, it just rips your face off. Yeah. I mean, it is well, I can't wait to see it. It's, yeah. it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I remember we went, uh, when we were going to go see Valerian, um, and we couldn't. That was one of the options that was there at the time. That's why I saw it, because I remember I heard such good things. Yeah, it's yeah. like a, a murder mystery taking place in, in the snowy wilderness, and I yeah, was yeah. like, ooh, that sounds good. Right, right. We ended up going to the Dark Tower, which... Um, <laughs> was a questionable yeah, choice yeah, at yeah, best. Yeah, yeah. However, I always knew I wanted to see Wind River, and man, is it good. Okay, so cool. when you have an opportunity, I will. see that shit. Check it out. All right. Cool. Um, now, one other thing we didn't talk about. Yeah, let's talk about Doomsday Clock real quick. Yeah, we're running, we running long low time. on time. But, um, you know, I read tons of comics every week, but you can find my Doomsday Clock review on the Ultimate Comics website at ultimatecomics.com. 
Um, what is yeah. it, though? Just tell us real it's quick. It's a big deal. What it's is a, it? So it's a direct Watchmen sequel. Um, this has been what Rebirth has been building towards since the beginning. Uh, because when the Rebirth one-shot dropped, the end of it uh, basically inferred that Dr. Manhattan had tampered with the space-time continuum and basically caused the New 52 because he shaved off um, years of the timeline and rearranged things, um, had relationships forgotten. You know, in some ways you could read it as an apology for the New 52, but also as a ridiculous meta-commentary. So, you know, everyone dropped their mouths at that reveal. This is finally, you know, the start of the answers that we've been... Um, waiting for it. It's by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. It marks Jeff Johns' return to comics. Um, he writes that, the whole thing? Yeah, because that was the last comic he wrote was the Rebirth one-shot, and then he's taking time off because he's you know one of the like main executives at DC, and he's right. running the movies and all right, that. Right, right. Um, but yeah, and then Gary Frank, and, and I think um, and Johns said that he wouldn't have done this book if Gary Frank hadn't agreed to it, because he needed an artist of high caliber who um, was not only great, but who could mimic the style of Dave Gibbons and do it, you know, with expertise. Right. And he really does, because if you just look at those pages, you can I'm see looking at it right now, how yeah. much um, it reflects the world of Watchmen. Um, so the first issue, still not a lot of answers, but basically it takes place, I want to say, seven or eight years after the conclusion of Watchmen. Um, the world is on the brink of destruction. But I thought There's, Rorschach was... There's a new Rorschach, and um, okay, and it, yeah, no, it, um, it's uh, and it explains that, yeah, okay, and good. we're all of us in the comic shop are pretty sure we know who it is. Okay, but that's um, that's a great idea. Yes. I love the idea. There's of a new, new Rorschach. Rorschach. Um, Mandius is trying to redeem himself. Um, oh, it sounds there's, good. There's some other characters from the Carlton comics who weren't explored in Watchmen that are in this. Um, so and this is the, the first time there's been any kind of sequel to Watchmen. Oh yeah, it's always yeah. those things were prequels before Watchmen was prequel. But, there's, and but this is literally the first any kind of sequel. Yes. Okay. And it's um and at the very end there is a connection to the main DC universe because that's the whole thing. It's it's both a Watchmen sequel and Watchmen coming together with the DC. Oh man, that's big. It's huge. I mean, there are more subscribers to this book, at least at Ultimate, than Batman right now. So how how is it overall? I really loved it. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's hard to, I mean, it's only a first issue, so there's, again, there's not a whole lot of answers, but as far as the world building it and um, how the script is executed, it feels very much a part of this universe. I'm excited to see how it will collide with the DC universe more so than so when, just the story. When you say continuing. answers, like we haven't gotten many answers, what are the questions? That, you know, why did Dr. Manhattan tamper with this space-time continuum? Is he going to be a villain? How will the... Because basically there was a short crossover earlier this year called The Button where um, Batman and the Flash discover the comedian's button um, and they get the sense that they're being watched but they still don't know what the cause of all this is. Because um, originally, the, all the theories were, you know, everyone thought that Flashpoint caused the New 52. You know, Barry tampered with the timeline. I thought they told us that. I didn't think that, that was the, the original. Theory. That was the original. And they, that's what they led us to believe. And then... They've no, changed it actually now. that okay. um, it's Dr. Manhattan. It's wow, that's a big change. Yeah. Uh, and I don't really know how long this has been planning or if that was more... No, it's a retcon. Yeah, it's yeah, a total yeah, fucking yeah, retcon. Yeah, yeah. But regardless, um, yeah, so it's... A matter of what will happen when you know Superman and Doctor Manhattan meet, and 
um, how will exactly will the Watchmen universe collide with the DC universe? Awesome, so awesome. There's a lot. To so go those on. are the questions. Cool. Yeah, that was really well said. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Um, well, speaking of comics, that was a great segue yes. into talking about that what has become – right. What has become pretty much um, – I know you, your favorite universe or – it's close with it's DC. It's close, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, I certainly am loving some Valiant. It's definitely up there with – for me, I may like it. Well, anyway, we'll talk. Yeah. I don't have to give it uh, an assessment on that one. But let's put it this way. Um, it really – the fact that it's even in competition with DC and Marvel is a massive feat. Exo Manowar has become one of my top five comic book characters of all time. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, anyway, as a prelude to talking more about Valiant, which we'll be doing more and more in the coming weeks and months, sure. um, we have decided to talk about Exo Manowar, which is the seminal It was the flagship series. title of the reboot. So – um, Valiant Comics came and gone in the 90s, and then there was a big reboot in 2012. This was the first title to launch it. Um, um, it was Exo Manowar number and, and one. And is written by Venditti. Robert Venditti. Um, multiple artists. Carrie Nord is the artist of first volume, first view. Um, there's other artists like um, Robert Gill and many others um, who have joined the book later on. Oh, nice. Got the signature. Yeah, I got it signed nice. by Venditti. Yeah, I have um, mine. Volume 1. I love Venditti. Um, the thing he's a great guy. The yeah. thing I love about Venditti, he's A, a great guy. He actually, I believe, wrote The Coldest City. Was that him? Um, the one that became uh, Atomic Blonde. Was that him? I think it was someone different. But Oh, okay. Care. Okay. He anyway. wrote The Surrogates, which got him into a movie. Here, got so, it. Yeah. Got it. Um, anyway, the uh, Exo Man of War is... Um, a character, his name is Arik of... Dacia, or Dacia. I, 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 Dacia, uh, Dacia, yeah. yeah. It's an ancient um, Roman. And, uh, and we, uh, I guess I guess the best way to discuss this, so now, um, it's been a 14-volume series. 13. Um, well, the, the, um, so there's, well, there's 12 volumes of, um, the main series, 50 issues of the Vendetti run, then the 13th volume has some short stories in it, and then the Matt Kent run just started earlier this year. So it's 13, not 14. Yes. Volumes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, so you've read all 12 of the main volumes and mm-hmm. the short story collection. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are going to be able to give us some thoughts on where it goes. But mm-hmm. let's start by talking about um, Exo Man of War yeah. uh, 1 through 4. Sure. Um, so I read this pretty close to when it – just after it came out, maybe a year after it came okay. out. Um, and I remember loving it, but I had to revisit it. And every time I thought back on this book, I thought, man, I loved Exo Man of War. I yep. love him. I want to read more. Mm-hmm. I just never got around to it. Sure. So I, ju- I am going to be doing that now. But I just went through and reread this. And I am just – I the, the, the similarities to me between Robert Venditti and Mark Wade at his best really are striking to me. Yeah. I feel like comparison. they are both really um, – entertaining like they're like almost like the Spielberg but a little more indie yeah of of, of comics they they make stories that are just super compulsively, character yeah yeah super character driven compulsively readable yes not ever dense in a way that 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 stops nah. you up or makes you feel like you don't want to go on um, you just want to keep reading the them. dramas there the action the characterization I mean, it fits that... It's a really Vin- fun, too. Venditti's War run and Mark Wade's Daredevil are two of my top superhero runs. They flow. Yeah. They're yeah. so fun to read. Yeah. And, and, and they can have drama and they can have hardship, but mm-hmm. they're fun. So, for example, this story is about um, Arik of Decia. He is a leader of um, the Visi- Visigoth. Visigoths. Um, He's a 5th century Visigoth um, who um, is fighting the Roman Empire and leading his people. 
and and it's going well, badly. It's going badly, and in the middle of all that, he gets abducted by aliens. Um, and he and, thinks at first that it's some Roman trick, right? But right. we find out throughout this volume that they are the vine, the vine, which is an advanced extraterrestrial species, um, who we get to know a lot more as the series progresses. Very uh, because interesting. At first, you think they're just you know alien invaders, uh, but. Uh, there is actually a deep-rooted mythology with the Vine and also the Shannara armor, which is the Exomanor armor. Right, right. Um, it's actually its own entity that, um, and basically, the Vine have been seeking um, someone to bear the armor for all these centuries. Um, and Eric becomes bonded with the armor. Uh, so, so the 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 ba- I'm just going to do the broad strokes premise sure. of this run. So he's he's a Visigoth. He fights. Um, he still wants to fight, even though all of his you know advisors mm-hmm. and his father is it. Yeah. Say this we've lost. We need to right, retreat right. and recollect. He's like, no, I won't lose. I won't give in. He's an Ironheart. Right. Um, and a, and a tremendously talented warrior and strategist, although he's impulsive. Yes. Um, he sends his men into basically slaughter. Uh-huh. Um, they finally do retreat, but not until his wife Deidre, um, as well as his mother. Yes. And uh, are are kidnapped by the Romans, uh-huh. um, and that his father is uh, dealt a, a fatal blow. Uh-huh. And so, right after that, they're sort of, like, planning their next move, and then their perimeter is breached, and they think, oh, no, the Romans are attacking again. But no, it's actually an alien spaceship um, led by the Vine, um, and they're down here to do some kind of experiments. Mm-hmm. And what we see in the book is that they they pull, like, a, a, a hair from, one, from a little child, yep. and then they put it in some green goo. It sizzles or bubbles, mm-hmm. and then they then they inject the goo into the child. Yeah. And so I guess what was happening there is something along the lines of I know you know at this point, mm-hmm. but it's something along the lines of like they had to get the goo to match his DNA before they could inject it in him, and then they inject it in him, and then at first he looks like he the little baby turns into one of these vine, mm-hmm. and then it says so it starts starts saying chirrup chirrup, which is what the vines say, yeah, yeah. and then it says chir wah, and it turns back into a human. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So it's basically some kind of sleeper agent that we're right. gonna obviously find out about later really interesting setup um and then um eric goes out and wonders what this ship is he and all his men are captured um and so he can't ever rescue deidre or his mother at least in this volume and he's taken to this ship um they're put into hard labor um working in some kind of garden of eden but it Mm -hmm. seems like it's indoors because it has these spritzers that that water the fruit um and uh and then he his whole mission over and it takes years um, of horrible hardship. His hand is chopped off. Mm-hmm. Um, his people are hurt um, and slaw and just it's just terrible uh, servitude, yeah. slavery. Um, finally, he uh, leads a coup and steals the armor, and he's about to die from it. And then it allows him to live. And mm-hmm. we've seen earlier in the volume that a couple of the aliens have tried, and they all. C- can't do it. Right, right. Nobody can survive putting the armor on. He can, however. So that finally gives him enough power to defeat the aliens. Um, and then an explosion happens, and he get not completely, but to no, at least so, like yeah. fight them off. Right. Explosion happens, and then he finds himself waking up um, in modern day. Right. On Earth. Um, and then um, some people, but 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 in Rome or Italy or whatever. Yeah. And, and some, so he think he's like, "Where's the empire?" You know, because he has no idea that all this time has passed. So if you think about it, and that's really it. 
Yeah. Um, and then like the police are after him and right. or, or, and that's where it stops. Right. And he's right. like, I'm gonna, you know, fight. So basically, if you think about that, it's a very simple plot. Yeah. Um, very straightforward, yet somehow riveting, captivating, interesting. And I can't believe how much I like him and he has developed for me in such a short amount of time. That's a Mark Wade special, right? Yeah, it is. And Venditti also. Um, they just have this amazing way of making these characters tremendously charismatic and interesting, and and you can bond with them with such a short page count right um his wife even i was like man that's so terrible they've been ripped apart whereas other books might take 16 pages to develop the depth Mm. of this relationship this one does it like really quickly and effectively um my only thing is what about all those intervening years they're just gone i mean this was fifth century and now he's in the modern day so are we ever going to find out what happens to deidre and 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 oh yeah you definitely find out that and then um there's a lot that so I mean, well, spoilers yeah, as low as you can. Okay, no, get. I'm not. No, I'm not. But so it's 50 issue run. Um, you learn everything from the origins of the Shannara armor and the vine and how they uh, discovered it and um, why it's so important and what it means for you know a being of the universe to merge with it. To what happened with um, Eric and um, his family and you know. Um, and to the Visigoths and to, you know, the other slaves that were aboard the ship. And um, there's so much mythology and things that are explored over the course of it. Um, But really, at its core, it's a story about him trying to um, find a new home and, you know, find a homeland, reunite with his people. And, you know, he... Who are his people, though? That's the thing. He, uh, so... You think about that, he wasn't the only Visigoth taken aboard the ship and uh, enslaved. So you learn later on about others that were um, taken aboard again, uh, by okay. ships and um, and that were kept in slavery. And, and who enslaved. might be here in modern day. Mm-hmm. Okay. You'll see what happens there. Then there's also the vine plantings. Again, they're, like I love how much the first volume sets it up because... Um, it's the perfect launch pad for everything else that happens in the series. How quickly um, does stuff start to really like get going? Well, I mean, by volume two, he has a crossover with Ninjak, and that's, <sighs> that's about fast, man. right. And that's how I mean, because it, it's about him trying to um, restore his homeland, and he becomes the protector of Earth because you know, obviously, he's stuck here on modern day. He doesn't know what to do, um, but of course, the government wants to. Uh, they see him as a threat at first. And then, and then probably want to experiment. He comes to become a hero, you know. And so it's about that. It's about him discovering who the vine is. It's about discovering, you know, why him um, to be chosen um, to wield to merge with the armor. Um, there's just so many things that happen. And yeah, I mean, I love the conclusion. Um, and it's also not the end of his story too. Even though the Venditti run ends, yeah, Matt Kinn's run started earlier this year. Now, does it take off where it let off, or is it a new starting? There's point? a like tease at the end of the um, issue fifty that was written by Matt Kinn that kind of sets it up. But um, it how much a, of a reboot is it, and how much of a new thing? Well, I haven't started it yet, so okay. I have to check. I'm, that's on my list next to start. Um, but I mean, it. I, I think it definitely continues right where the story left off. Because um, I know that. Valiant is kind of notorious or or famous for doing the whole mini reboot on all their series. Sort of, yeah, but like they they also don't look, you know they keep continuity of everything that happened before, so it's not right. like you know a reboot of his origin or anything like that. Right, but um, they're very ballsy in their strokes. Right, though. they don't. That sounded wrong, but they they don't mind 
writing something called the Book of Death. And, right. And to me, that always freaked me out. I was like, if I find out what the fate of all these characters is, how am I going to care about any of them? Or how am I going to wonder like that they're in control of their own destiny when I know the future? And then I've heard them say, no, that's just one possible ending. Right, right. Not the ending. So that that fixed that for sure. me. Sure. But they're a company that's willing to make bold moves. That's clear. Sure. And as far as to answer your question about what happened in all those years in between, uh, so this isn't a huge spoiler, but he's friends with Eternal Warrior because obviously Eternal Warrior is his Eternal. brother. Um, and they and so they fought together in that time period. So Eternal Warrior is going to show up by I think uh, early, pretty early on, like three or four maybe. Uh-huh. Um, so you that's where you get a lot of the answers there. And but it's then, never going to be like him going back and dealing with it and shit. Well, I mean, he can't go back in time, right? Yeah. So he's stuck here yeah. forever. I mean, that's all point. It's him being time-displaced and then becoming the protector of Earth in the modern day. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering if... if so, sure. so, so Deidre's fucking gone. Yes. Wow. That sucks. It does suck, but there's other things that happen. Again, that's just this is just the beginning of the story. There's yeah. so many other things that happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he is stuck in this time. Um, and so it's about, yeah, where does he go from here now that everything he knew is gone. Right. Uh, Every, the retains, way of the world. Right. Even. But he retains the spirit and heart of the warrior and is very old school. And that's I like what, and, that. And that's what it, it makes it fun, too, because it's like it's like Space Conan. Um, uh-huh. But that's part of the fun of it, too, is there's plenty. I mean, as heavy handed as that is, there's also plenty of humor that stems from the fact that he talks like, you know, Thor. Basically. I am Arak of Dacia. Right, right. I come yielding the Shannara armor exactly. to purge all you evildoers. Exactly. Kind of thing. And him saying that in the modern day is pretty hilarious. Yeah. Um, but that's what I love about Eric so much is that he's so uncompromising and that um, he will do anything for his people uh, and to do what is right. And he doesn't, you know, follow the status quo of the world if he disagrees with it, you know. So he's got a, a tremendously strong moral compass right, right. That, pro- that points true north. Right. Um, okay, cool. So how does it tie in with the other books in the Valiant verse? Ninjak shows up um, several times. Um, they, cause you know, originally he's hired to take, um, Eric out mm-hmm. because government sees him as a threat. Sure. Um, that's a good way to do it. Right. And then eventually they form a partnership, um, which is fun because EXO is such a, you know, sturdy, you know, warrior. Ninjak is such a loose Stealthy cannon. Stealthy. And... Assassin. Yeah. Right. Um, so it makes for a fun partnership. Obviously he has dealings with the internal warrior. Um, and then with unity, uh, is uh, he becomes part of that team later on because um the government wants to you know sanction him as the, their official protector interesting um, so there's that um there's other there's dr mirage shows up in one issue much later sort of, yeah about midway through the run i would say um and it's more of a fun kind of one-off kind of thing you know mm-hmm. crossover um, how much of it is serialization and, and moving the story and plot mm-hmm. forward and how much of it is like one-off adventures of eric of dacia it's mostly serialized. There are a few one-offs and kind of like, the, you know, they have the annual. Um, and Where he'll go on like one adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but mainly it's like, here's a threat, let's kill that threat, then move on. Right. New secrets are revealed, new threat evolves, right. that kind of thing. And there, I mean, without any no spoilers, but there is a romance that involves later on. So, so Nice, you know, so there will be something to fill that no, in. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's Although cool. his wife is, yeah, she's long gone, but... 
Um, but there's another love story that unfolds later on. Is it good? Yeah. Oh, I think it's awesome. great. It's awesome. one of the best, and it, it really makes you know because I oh, I felt that too. I'm like, man, he lost his whole family. And yeah, um, I mean that's that's yeah. That's all the point is it has to start out tragically and then it moves forward. Well, that's and, the thing yeah. that's amazing about this book. Like I said, is that it is tragic. Yeah. But it never feels painful to read. No, it always no, not feels at all. Oh, it's like a blast. I'm having a gr- yeah. It's you know, it's bombastic and yes. fun and yes. I mean, he I, I've never seen somebody. Lose lose their hand and me enjoy like the story still like normally i'm thinking holy fuck that dude Mm -hmm. lost his hand right that ruins everything and a lot of it has to come down to the art too is the art is just so cinematic and this is throughout the all the i mean carrie nord robert gill um diego something i'm sorry i'm losing track there were a lot of artists you're pretty on point with that Uh, but they all do a phenomenal job um the pencils the colors the inking um it's just such a great collaborative work um, well, but yeah, Vanity wrote every all fifty issues, um, and you know the annuals and crossovers. Cool. Um, but yeah, there are. It, I thought it does. It's predominantly serialized, but there are some good one shots um, thrown into the mix there too that are nice adventures. Awesome. And even some of the art, like you have the main art going on, um, but there are some ones where, like you know, he um, there's one arc where he has to fight. Um, a you know human an, an evil human who's taken advantage of this um exo technology that's well that's trying to mimic the exo uh-huh. armor yeah yeah um and you know it's a one-off uh, storyline um but it's not it's all really fun it's it, very unique yeah. um uh, you know you look at exo manowar and he's got you know a mechanized suit that's very powerful yes. it's immediately you're gonna think iron man right but it's nothing it like really iron isn't. man no, like not nothing like it the character is completely is there different. Any, the vibe if there's any is Marvel different. character to compare him to, it would be Thor. Um, and then, like, Conan is by far the most um, applicable. As far as it has that kind of, like, very Robert E. Howard feel to it. Um, yeah. So it's like, everyone says it. It's like Conan in space. Did Venditti write any other um, uh, Valiant? Wrath of the Eternal Warrior, which was a... Um, so the, the three big, like, events, sort of, were the Valiant then Book of Death, and then Wrath of Eternal Warrior. And he wrote um, that. And he wrote Book of Death, I think, too. Okay. Um, but he said, when I interviewed him um, about two years ago, he said that, yeah, when Dinesh uh, showed me all the books, he's like, I hadn't read any Valiant when they approached me about it, but they had seen my work on some of my indie books, and they approached me about it. And um, so I read, I went back and read the 90s stuff, and I said that the two characters I loved the most were Exo and Eternal Warrior. Um, but I didn't want to be too ambitious. I wanted to just... Because this was his first monthly comic. Oh, wow. And okay. so um, he's like, I'd rather focus on one character. So he picked XO. But he always wanted to write Eternal Warrior, too. So when he did get a chance to later on, he t- jumped on that. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, um, that's 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 a good sort of brief synopsis yeah. of, uh, of the series as a whole. Uh, I want to read It's a really it. good um, starting point if you want to get into the Valiant Universe. Because um, this was their flagship title. And it's I, so good. It, it really it's is. such a it's quick just, read. Yeah, uh, I reread it in about an hour. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's just so entertaining yeah. and fun. Um, and it's a good time to get caught up because the Matt Kinn runs just started earlier this year. Right, right. And I've and, heard great things about it. And not only that, but also, started. you know, Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe yes. is coming and Arik of Dacia is in yes. that, as we talked about yes. in our last episode, the Justice League episode. Yes. Um, and then... Um, obviously, movies are in the works in the future. Yep. Um, looks like you know early, excuse Bloodshot me, like late Harbinger. next year and the year before, the year after that, we get some Bloodshot and Harbinger action. 
and then maybe the Harbinger Wars and all yep. that goodness. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, on that note, let's just uh, really briefly talk about what we're going to do next um, and then give our uh, uh, contact info. So what are you up to next after this? I want to watch Happy, and I want to go back and read the comic. Too. Yeah. 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 That awesome. I'm very excited about. Um, for me, I want to pop in on Runaways. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, I, I can't believe yeah. that's out, and it we is. haven't watched it. Jordan like, said it's good. Yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. All oh, right, you good. know he's watching it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, of course. There's only been three <laughs> yeah. so far, I think. Yeah, they yeah, dropped yeah, three yeah. and then three. Yep. Okay, cool. Well, that's awesome. Um, and then uh, I have a, a big backlog of games. I'm actually playing the new Super Mario, so I'm enjoying mm-hmm. that. Uh, Comic-wise, every time we talk about Valiant, it makes you want to read Valiant. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'm going to uh, maybe pick one up and, uh, and start reading some more Valiant nice. today. Um, on that note, you can find me at Rich Lepore on Twitter. Um, you can find us on thejoyofgeek.net and thejoyofgaming.com. Um, and uh, where else? Um, you can find me on Twitter at kwshafe, at ultimatecomics.com. Um, smanewstoday.com which is my real job and then, right, right, right. Um, and bio news services is the parent company of that awesome um, but yeah you can find us all over and uh, on that note I'm Rich Lapore Kevin Shaver we'll see you later take care <laughs>